0: Hey, this is Matthew Preifogel. Thanks for tuning in to the Thrive Ministries podcast. I hope you like it. I hope it brings you encouragement and brings you closer in your walk with Christ. Well, it is good to be back. Let me tell you, man, it's uh, it's been a long time, nearly a month since I had a chance to put out a new podcast. And um, I tell you, man, just I was sick for like two weeks, had some stomach stuff and then got influenza and just uh, one thing after another had a um really good preachers conference that uh we went to as well so I think um I think all that is behind me and now look at that we have a brand new podcast to um to give you today so let's uh let's get into it and the thing I want to get into today is this and it's <laughs> It's interesting because uh, we're going to talk about a church word, which, if you know me, I am not a fan of church words, and this kind of is a church word, and with good reason. Don't get me wrong with with good reason, but uh, we're going to talk about what it is to be holy. All right, um, I think it's interesting that the word holy is used so much in the, I guess, Christian language. Um, we've kind of claimed it is ours, right? Every time you hear the word holy, you automatically uh, assume that it's got something to do with Christianity. And and here's the thing, though. I think the majority of Christians could today probably couldn't tell you what it means to be holy. I really don't. I think a lot of people would struggle with giving a definition of that word. I'm not trying to talk bad, about Christians, about people that follow Jesus. I just think it's a case of, of well, everybody knows what holy is. Everybody knows what it means to be holy, right? Yeah, sure. We all, everybody knows, right? All right. In my other job that I, I work in radio, my other job, um, I run into that so much with um, with elected officials, with people that are kind of movers and shakers in town. They because everyone in their immediate circle knows something they assume everybody knows, and they don't. You know, you hear that all the time. Um, A lot of times with elected officials, well, everybody knows about the stormwater project on 3rd Street. Well, no, they don't. Not everyone follows, you know, all these meetings and things like that. Not everybody knows the stormwater project down on 3rd Street. Um, so a lot of times I got to back them up and start over and explain what exactly are you talking about, you know, or, um, or even a local business owner will sometimes kind of fall into this. Everybody knows trap, right? They'll be talking about a, a certain service they offer. Well, everybody knows we groom your pets. No, we didn't know that pet grooming was available at your furniture store. We didn't know that. Sorry. You know, it's just. (laughs) But that's kind of what I want to look at right now, kind of back up and review and talk about what the word holy really means. What does that mean? What does it mean to be holy? How am I holy? And and holy simply means this. Holy simply means, if you're going to, you know, boil it down to its essential part, holy simply means that you are set apart or that you are dedicated to God, right? When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you dedicate your life to God. You're made holy. You're set apart. But it's important to remember that God is holy while we become holy through our relationship uh, with Jesus. I really like what it says uh, in Titus, chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, says this, At one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our savior. Amen, right? That's good stuff. We're made holy through the sacrifice Jesus made for us. That's the kind of love that that God has for you. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be special. He wants you to be a part of his adopted family. He wants you to be a part of this group of people that are set apart, that are special, that are dedicated to him through Jesus Christ. Okay? Now that's that's kind of us. But but what about what about the church? What about the church in general, you know, how is the the church set apart as holy? And I think where, where you look at that is kind of, um, we're going to look at the, the day of Pentecost, right? This is the day of Pentecost um, in the book of Acts. Jesus is crucified, he's buried, he's resurrect, resurrected, and then 50 days after that was this day called the day of Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit filled the apostles and they began, they began the mission of establishing the early church, right? you know, Right after this thing called Pentecost happened. And if you know this story, there's a point uh, during Pentecost where, where two of these apostles, Peter and John were actually, they are arrested for spreading the gospel and, um, they went before this, this group of, of Jewish leaders called the Sanhedrin. And all these Jewish leaders looked at them and basically told John and Peter that they cannot preach to the people about Jesus. So they prayed, John and Peter prayed. They they prayed to be bold. They prayed scripture. They prayed that God stretch out his hand to perform signs and perform these wonders in the name of Jesus. And then what happens is this incredible, incredible thing. Um, The Bible describes that all believers were in one heart and one mind. Everyone shared this, this unity in one another. They also shared everything, not just, you know, in their minds and their hearts where they unified, but they shared everything. I mean, all their possessions, all their things, they shared everything. Can you imagine being in that, in that situation? If you need a new shirt, well, let me dig around in Jim's closet and see what, you know, he dresses pretty nice. Let me see what he's got. That's kind of what it was. In fact, um, the book of acts, all right. Uh, chapter four, describes these new Christians like this. It says this, uh, Book of Acts, chapter 4, starting with verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they started sharing uh, everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And then it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Can you imagine this? This is this incredibly amazing time uh, for the early church. People are, are getting along. They're sharing their possessions. They're of one heart and mind, which is a big deal because, you know, it's one thing to agree on something intellectually, but it's even a bigger deal to all be on the same page in the hearts on this this deep connected spiritual level, right? I mean that, that's a huge can you imagine having that kind of unity in today's church? Wow. How, I mean, how how incredible how incredible would that how big of an impact would we have on our world, on our communities, on our state if we had this kind of unity today? It'd be unstoppable right? I mean, this was an amazing time for the early church. And th- did you catch that one part? Did you catch that one part in, in that uh, passage from Acts? There were no needy people, right? They were They were loving each other. These people were loving each other just like Jesus, right? They were loving each other and providing for each other just like Jesus would do, and and how about this dude, Barnabas, sold his land so that people in the church that were in need could be taken care of. Sold his land, brought that money back here. This money goes to these people. Let's help them out. Wow. That is awesome. I mean, just absolutely awesome. Right. Um, So that brings us to this married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira no doubt um, heard about this generous gift that uh, Barnabas gave. And so they decided to sell some land and give the money. Well, part of it. Their story is in uh, Acts chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of, of property, With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who had heard what happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me. Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So Ananias and Sapphira, they sell some land. They give some of the money while pretending they were giving all the money. At this point, Peter, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he calls them out on it. You know, he says, listen, you've not just lied to me, but you have lied to God. And then bam! Ananias drops dead. Right. Um, actually, you know what, when I was, when I, when I read this story, I'm reminded of this time early on in my radio career of being at the 4-H fair, right? Way back in the day, we would, we would go to the fair and the radio station would be there. We would set up our booth and we would have something to give away. You know, sometimes we'd, we'd have a prize every night, like Indiana Beach tickets, Holiday World, whatever. Um, and then sometimes we'd have this great big prize at the end of the week. And and usually we always had some sort of little trinket to give away, um, like a sticker, a cardboard fan. One year we handed out these um, really awful hot pink wooden rulers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were we would give away something. So one year we're at the fair and we have nothing to give away. We just... You know, we, we just the fair kind of snuck up on us. We weren't prepared, but we had nothing to give away. Uh, we have our big prizes, but not any of the small trinket stuff. You know, um, I don't know. We we just didn't have it ready. So earlier in the in the week, this woman comes up to our booth and she asks, "What you giving away?" So I tell her about the Indiana Beach tickets. Well, that's not what she at what she's after. She says, "No." What you giving away that I can carry around? Well, we don't have anything this year. And her reply to me is, well, that ain't fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not fair that I'm not giving you a free trinket um, for coming up to the radio station's booth. You're right. That is absolutely not fair. I I, I apologize for putting you through this. That is awful. (laughs) And that that can be kind of our reaction to this story of Ananias and Sapphira. Our first reaction is probably, well, that's not fair. So what? They told a white lie. Does that mean they both deserve to die? I mean, surely there's far worse things happening that people are doing that deserve the exact same punishment. Surely there's, there's people out there that are doing the exact same thing. So why did they... Why did they get struck down and and killed for this? And, you know, I, I've heard this described um, like this, actually. Um, you know, I could, I could lie to you right now and not really face any consequences. You know, we could go out. We could have dinner. I could tell you some aspect of my life that's not true. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you can look and say, eh, this Matt guy's a liar. That's it right if i lie to my wife maybe maybe we have some issues there you know things you know my, my consequences ramp up you know if you lie to my, if i lie to my wife things get get uglier right what, what if i lie to a police officer if i lie to him suddenly i could get arrested for that if i lie to a judge i could be uh, put in jail for, for perjury if i lie to um, a senator or the president you know, then you're looking at treason. You're looking at prison time for telling uh, a little white, white lie. No big deal, right? So it does matter who you lie to, and so when you lie to God, when you lie to the the Creator and Being and the the Author of our lives, the Creator of the universe, the um uh, uh, who exists outside of space and time, then yeah, you're your consequences for that lie are ramped up significantly. I mean, significantly. So yeah, it does matter who you lie to. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like, um, corruption, uh, in the church has just went away. And in the 1980s, there was this couple named, um, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker who were televangelists and, you know, they, um, had a whole, Whole thing. If you know their story, it's just all sorts of awful. But it does matter, you know, who you lie to. It 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 just doesn't. Especially when you lie to God. I mean, why wouldn't your punishment be <laughs> be much bigger when you lie to God versus someone else? I mean, because God is is bigger than than all of us, right? But uh, bringing it back, God's church is holy. God's church is set apart to do the work he wants us to do while we're here. All right, now the early church, man, don't get me wrong, the early church was rocking. But they needed a reminder, I think, of whose church it is. They needed to know that um, that God does not allow unholy practices in his church. And make no mistake, this is not our church. This is not... um, you know, the, the church that I, that employs me, Walton Christian Church, that's not my church. This is God's church. Okay. All right. A church does not belong to you. A church service does not belong to you. Sometimes we need reminded that this isn't our church. This is God's church that he set apart. It's been dedicated to do his work. It is not Our church. So that's what it means for a church to be holy. But what about us? I mean, if God is holy and the church, how can we be truly holy? I mean, if God is holy and the church is holy, how can we truly be holy? How can we put ourselves on that shelf of being holy? Well, here's the thing being holy isn't only possible when you give your life to Jesus, it's necessary. So, yeah, we are required to be holy. Look at this. In 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we're immersed in baptism, we are, we're setting ourselves apart. And that means we're setting ourselves apart in, in everything we do, how we treat other people, right? When you go to a restaurant, how do you treat the people that are bringing you food? When you go to a store, how do you treat that cash register? the lady at the cash register how do you treat that person how do you treat your loved ones how are you treating your wife how do you treat your spouse are you treating them like like Jesus would is that is that how you go into your relationship how are you treating those loved ones it's also how we handle ourselves in certain situations you know do you, do you fall apart or do you stand firm on the fact that that we have a mighty God that has our back and will get us through any situation that, that, that we're in, you know, and also let's not forget we live, we live in a modern world. And, and what are you putting on social media? What are you, what are you putting out there? Are you putting out there stuff that, um, that, 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 sets you apart? Are you putting things on social media that reflect your holiness You know, is that is that where I mean, everything we do has to be set apart from the rest of the world. And you know what? If, If I'm and honestly, if I'm someone that's on the fence, you know, if I'm someone that's on the fence about all this Jesus religion, you know, Christianity, if I'm on the fence about all this stuff, I'm kind of freaked out by it. Right. I don't want to give up what I should and shouldn't say, you know. But here's the thing. This kind of desire and effort. To live a holy life, I mean, it comes with time. It just does. As you spend more time with Jesus, as you spend more time in prayer, as you spend more time in the Word, as you spend more time searching for the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself wanting to live a holy life. You know, and I I understand it. It is hard because we don't want to give up that part of us. I mean, what's my Twitter feed is my Twitter feed. You know, if I'm in a certain situation and someone does, I should be able to say and do what I want. But you got to be holy. you got to set yourself apart. You have to, to live like you are holy because, because if Jesus is holy, then you should be holy too. And the thing also to remember is that God is always, always at work in your life. You're never doing any of this alone All right, because the love he has for you, you are set apart. You are saved. You are made holy through what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for going to the cross. I thank you for enabling us to be holy, that we could be set apart, that we could be part of your family, to be part of this body that that makes up you. And I pray that that we can do that. I pray that that we can set aside our own desires and our own sinful ways, we can, we can push those aside and simply be holy, that we can we can be better than what the world has for us. We can be better people. We can be better in situations. We can treat people better simply because we're holy. We're set aside. We are special. We are here to do your work on earth, Lord. Because you are holy, I pray that we be holy as well. What a great blessing that is. What an amazing blessing that is. Lord, I pray that we all uh, strive for that, that we search that out, that we find that. And Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit fill us and enable us to do just that. We love you so much. It's, It's In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We'll try and do these every single week, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and God bless.